Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of the Views from the 573 Podcast. Hope you all are doing well on this Monday as we get started with another week and get started with another week of football previews. On today's pod, we are heading back to the NFL as we take a look at the NFC West. This one might be a little bit shorter considering looking at some of these teams, there seem to be about only two real contenders for this division. But we will talk about the other two here in a moment. Maybe not as much as we will the other two, but uh, we will talk about them nonetheless. Uh, If you haven't yet, be sure to go check us out wherever you guys get your podcasts. Go subscribe, give us a rating, review, turn on notifications. And on the YouTube channel, if you prefer some of that content, you can find us at 573 Podcast. Be sure to go subscribe to the channel over there. Give us a like, share with your friends, comment, turn on notifications for that as well. So you'll be notified when a new video goes up. And be, also be sure to go find us on Twitter, 573 Podcast. Find me at RyanViews573. And I think that's all the house cleaning out the way. So without further ado, let's get started. And uh, we're actually going to dive into college here at the start of it because the AP preseason top 25 poll was just released moments before I pressed record. And so we'll we'll go through the top 25, talk about it a little bit, but uh, we'll save the college stuff for a little bit later on this week when uh, we talk about the Pac-12, or what's left of the Pac-12 at least. Uh, so looking at the poll, at number 25, you got Iowa. 24, you had Tulane, which of course Tulane, we'll talk a little bit about them when we get into the group of five, as they are ranked 24. Had a good season last year at 12-2. and Number 23, you got Texas A&M. 22, Ole Miss. 21, you got the Tar Heels from North Carolina. At number 20, you have Oklahoma. 19, Wisconsin. 18, Oregon State. And we'll talk about them later on this week. They had a good season last year at 10-3. And And, uh, they've got a new quarterback coming in from Clemson, but uh, we'll talk about them Friday. Number 17, you got the defending Big 12. Uh, you got the team from the Big 12 that made the CFP in TCU. Number 16, you got the reigning Big 12 champions. Got a little too ahead of myself there in uh, Kansas State coming at 16. Number 15, you got the Oregon Ducks. And we'll talk about them later on as well as Utah, who comes in at 14. Notre Dame. We'll group, we'll lump them in with the group of five here as they come in at number 13. Tennessee coming in at number 12, Texas number 11. And now in the top 10, we got Washington at number 10. We have Clemson at number nine, Florida State at number eight, Peters, Penn State, Nittany Lions coming in at number seven, USC at number six. Of course, I got the reigning. Heisman winner and Caleb Williams and the presumptive number one overall pick in next year's draft. So they are at number six. And in the top five, you got LSU coming in at number five, Alabama at number four, Ohio State at number three, Michigan at number two, 
and Georgia at number one. Now, we'll probably spend a little bit more time here with the top ten. Uh, I don't see too many problems with it. Uh, I mean, just for my team, I think it's fine at number 12, although I might disagree with them with Clemson being ahead of them since we beat them in bolt in the bowl game. But that's just me. But other than that, Washington, you know, they were really good last year, 11 and two record. And they bring a lot back to that offense. Got Michael Penix Jr. Got a couple of receivers coming back, a couple edge rushers coming back. Uh, I mean, we'll talk about them later on, but they're bringing a lot of talent back, and especially on that offensive side of the ball where they were really explosive a year ago. So I have no problem with their, them at number 10. Clemson, they'll have a lot to get used to. As we talked about, they got Kate Klubnick starting full-time this year as a sophomore. How he and Gary, or Garrett Riley will mesh on the offensive side of the ball. Also, I mean, you lose a couple of the guys they have on defense the last couple of years. That's something to consider. Florida State, they're bringing a lot back as well. We talked about them with the ACC preview. Penn State at number seven. Me and Peter talked about this. They have a lot of potential. That This could be their one of the most talented teams they've had in a while. So we'll see if they can stay steady at number seven. Uh, USC at number six. They, uh, of course, Caleb Williams coming back, and they bring a lot in from the transfer portal as well. And they got a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. It's just a matter of that defense can really step up uh, because you know what you're going to get on the offensive side of the ball just as that defense can get its act together. At number five, LSU, no problem with that. LSU, we talked about them. Last week, they got a lot of talent, particularly on the offensive side of the ball with Jane Daniels coming back. You you have a couple towns of tackles out there. Malik Neighbors is one of the better receivers in the SEC. And then you got Harold Perkins and Mason Smith leading that defense. Two uber-talented stars on that side of the ball. And then Alabama at number four. I mean – yeah, Alabama probably doesn't want to be considered a top four team, but they want to be considered a top three, you know, preferably number one team. But again, there's a lot of question marks there. And we'll see if they can get them answered early on in the season. And then top three, really no problem with this one, especially the top two. Uh, Ohio State, I mean, their big thing is figuring out the quarterback battle. Uh, but other than that, I mean, they bring back a lot of talent back on both sides. Michigan, we talked about them. They're bringing so much back. I believe they're set. We talked about them. They're seventh and returning production. Uh, just so much back from a year ago from a team that made the CFP last year and trying to get back and over that hump and doing something this year and winning it all. And then Georgia at number one. Uh, no debate here. Again, the quarterback thing will be, I think what brings about either another three-peat or them not repeating again this year. So, uh, yeah, there's the AP top 25 preseason poll with the season, what, about a week or so out? I know we have week zero coming up, I believe, next week, and then in a couple weeks we'll have week one. Uh, So it's uh, coming 
closely. College football season is. It's uh it's about here. It's knocking on the doorstep. And uh we're about here, but we got a couple more previews to get through uh, before we uh make some predictions and predict some games. So yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. We'll talk about the Pac-12 a little bit later on this week and talk about some of these teams that were ranked in the top 25. But we're gonna stick with Pro Bowl today and talk about the NFC West. And I mentioned this one might be a little bit of a shorter one considering who we got to cover in this conference. Because you take a look at this, you take a look at this division rather. Um, only San Francisco and Seattle, I think, are the two contenders here. The Rams, and just kind of diving into what what's going on with them, um, that it seems like there's a lot of turnover, a lot of change coming. And I don't know how to feel about them. I feel they're probably running third in this division. Um, yeah, I now if Seattle, if Geno Smith does not perform like he did last year, maybe they can find a way to sneak in. But uh, just taking a look at this division, Arizona, not going to spend too much time with them. Uh, they will probably want to tank without making it look like they're tanking and lose a lot of games this year to try to secure one of the top picks in next year's draft, whether that's the draft of Caleb Williams, draft of Marvin Harrison Jr., or maybe both. You know, I've seen a couple scenarios where they keep both the picks and they draft both them and they got their quarterback receiver duo for the next decade plus. I've also seen a scenario where they say, hey, let's just keep Kyler Murray. His contract is an albatross. Let's just keep it and trade one of the picks to get a boatload back because, I mean, hey, if it's the number one pick and if you plan on keeping Kyler Murray and there's somebody wanting Caleb Williams, you know there there will be a team that will be willing to pay a king's ransom to go and get him or Marvin Harrison Jr. Now, I think the ideal scenario is keep Kyler, draft Marvin Harrison Jr., but either way, those are two scenarios on the board. You know, Jonathan Gannon, the new – coach who came from Philly last year and Monty Ozenforth, the new GM from the Titans, they got their work cut out for them. They got a lot of challenges early on in their tenure there, and it's going to start without Kyler Murray this season, who's still a ways away from his ACL injury. And you're probably looking at Colt McCoy being the starting quarterback for several games this season. I think the thing for them, they will look to build upon culture find pieces over the, this season and the seasons come to try to build around whatever they do this year and the year after in the 24 draft. Marquise Brown is probably their new number one receiver after they traded DeAndre Hopkins. You expect Isaiah Simmons to step up after not really producing as high of a draft pick as he was a couple seasons ago. And you're probably looking at some of the young rookies they drafted. Uh, B.J. Ongelari to help out with the pass rush. The pass rush really needs some juice after a couple guys left and J.J. Watt and Zach Allen. Probably an exciting piece for them to keep a, keep an eye on is number six overall pick, Paris Johnson, take an eye on his development and where he's at because he's going to be a key piece in this rebuild and getting a big left tackle to try to protect whoever the quarterback is, whether it is Kyler Murray or 
if it is somebody next year that they draft, whether it's Williams or whether it's Drake May or maybe it's somebody else. He's going to be a key piece to this rebuild and trying to figure out where he fits among this new regime and his place and how he develops. I think other than that, not much to say on Arizona again. Not not going to be a good team this year. Not going to be a really good team. Kind of feel bad for Cardinals fans. Uh, well, both Cardinals fans uh, up in St. Louis and in Arizona right now. Uh, things are not going well for either of them. Uh, so I, I expect Arizona to finish dead last in this division, dead last in the conference, and probably end up with the number one pick and having Caleb Williams, which, hey, listen, I think you can do worse. Uh, like, hey, let's just tank for a year. We're quote unquote tank. Uh, I imagine they'll try to be as competitive as they can be, but get a couple really talented guys, guys that are thought of to be maybe generational type of talents in Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. So could be worse for Arizona, but yeah, it's looking like they are not going to be a good team this season. Moving on to the Los Angeles Rams. Again, I have some doubts about them. Uh, I don't feel all that great about them. Last year was disastrous for them. Team struggled to block on the offensive line. Of course, that might happen when you lose a Hall of Fame talent in Andrew Whitworth. And then also injuries galore happened on both sides of the ball. He had guys like Matt Stafford, Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald that fell victim to some of these injuries and were key parts to why the Rams finished the season at 5-12. and 12. And, of course, they didn't get their draft pick because they had it traded to – I forget who they traded it to. Maybe it was – I can't remember. It's It was a year ago or so probably. So moving on from that um, – Sean McVay is back. You know, he flirted with retirement earlier this offseason, kind of forgot about that. And he's now back in his seventh season as the Rams head coach. Uh, among this offense, traded Allen Robinson to the Steelers. So you hope Cooper Cup is good to go. You're probably going to have Van Jefferson be your number two receiver. And you hope that he's ready to break out, maybe him or Tutu Atwell is ready to take a step up in this offense. Tyler Higby, solid tight end. You know what you're going to get out of him. But it's also a big season for Cam Akers. Um, had a, a pretty weird 2022 season. Uh, had a career year as far as his standards go uh, with uh, leading the team in rushing attempts and rushing yards and rushing touchdowns, but did split a lot of time with Daryl Henderson and Kyron Williams. And with Daryl Henderson not there right anymore, it seems to be Akers' backfield. And it's a big one for him because he's entering a contract year. So it could be, it could be a classic case of guy has career year, entering a contract year, and gets that big-time extension from a team. Now, granted, it's the running back market, and we spent some time talking about that a few weeks ago. So, don't know about that. But, either way, it's a big year for Cam Akers, and we'll see what he can do. Uh, Stafford, you hope that he is good to go 
after what he went through last year with a couple injuries that he had, just never seemed to write. And if he's ready to go, I know they drafted Setson Bennett. Could we see him play a couple snaps? Maybe snow, or maybe so, but that might be the worst case scenario for the Rams right there. Uh, offensive line, they had their share of injuries. Joe Noteboom was just okay at left tackle. Rob Havenstein was pretty good at right tackle. That's kind of been his M.O. for the last several seasons. Uh, Brian Allen at center. And then you got Steve Oliva, who I believe was their top pick in the draft this year. Uh, coming from TCU, steps in at guard. Did pretty well. I think I remember seeing some clips of him like, facing off against Jalen Carter and doing really well, holding his own. So maybe he can be a good piece up front on this offensive line. But uh, other than that, you got to hope it's ready to protect Stafford, ready to block for acres and uh, do its thing because it can't be the same as it was last year. On defense, a lot of pieces are gone from a year ago. Bobby Wagner is still in this division, but back with Seattle. Leonard Floyd is gone. They traded Jalen Ramsey in the offseason. And so there is going to be a lot of pressure on Aaron Donald, uh, as if there wasn't already with uh, his level of impact. Um, of course, last year he missed six games due to an ankle injury and really showed how much you need him and how much they relied on him on that defense. Uh, other than that, than him, not really much on the defense line, Marquise Copeland, Jonah Williams, and Bobby Brown or other guys, but it's just like it, it, the depth behind Donald is not great. Um, so you really need him to stay healthy up front. And also, you need his pass rush because there's a lot of young guys that they are probably going to be counting on, uh, including some rookies they drafted this year in third-round pick Byron Young. Shout-out to UT. Two th third-day rookies in Nick Hampton and O'Shawn Mathis. Then you got Michael Hockett, who's probably going to be playing some snaps as well. So there's a lot of young guys on this defense that are going to play. So you're going to be counting on them. And you really need Aaron Donald to be there to help set the tone for the pass rush. And also you need him for the pass defense. You see what I'm getting at here? How much is how impactful he is? Because you take a look at the pass defense. You have no Jalen Ramsey anymore, and your starting corners are probably going to be Darion Kendrick and Kobe Durant. And you have a rookie in Travis Hodges-Tomlinson that's probably going to be getting some time as well. So you're probably going to be needing him to help with the, you know, with the pass defense because if he's able to get to, to generate some pressure, get to the quarterback, that could help out the secondary a little bit. Taylor Rapp is gone, so you're probably going to have Jordan Fuller or – somebody like Russ Yeast or Quinn Lakes that are going to be taking reps at safety. And then the linebacking room, it's not that great. You got Ernst Jones, who was a third-round pick in 2021 that played okay, good run stopper, not that great in coverage. And it's just not great behind him. Christian Roseboom and Jay Common were behind him. Uh, it's just not great. So a lot hinges, I think, on – what went wrong last year with the Rams, if they're able to block and if they are able to stay healthy, uh, particularly again, on the defensive side, Aaron Donald. If he's able to stay healthy, that could really help him out. But I think they're running third in this division, if I'm being completely honest. 
uh, because I think these other two teams are a little bit better. And I think we're going to, yeah, uh, alphabetical order kind of right here. So I'm going to go to the team next that I think will win this division in all likelihood and be one of the top teams in the NFC. Uh, I mean, not saying much because the NFC is kind of lacking this season, but I think they'll be one of the top teams in the NFC, if not the top team uh, with the rosters that they got coming back. So let's go to the Bay Area and talk about the 49ers. And, you know, there's there's been a lot of success that's been had by this Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch duo over the last several seasons, made some conference title games, got to Super Bowl, but never capitalized on those trips. Can they finally get over the hump in 2023? And again, with how the NFC is set up this year, this could prove to be their year if everything goes well for them. They could make the conference title game, win it, and get to the Super Bowl and maybe try to win it. It's wide open, the NFC is. So they have a shot to go and win the whole thing uh, because their roster is, is really good. But the big question, of course, is week one quarterback. You have Brock Purdy recovering from a UCL injury. Does look like he's going to be ready to go here pretty soon. Of course, you had Trey Lance, who had some opportunities here this offseason with Brock's injury. Uh, doesn't look like that was taken advantage of. Of uh, Sam Darnold comes in, and he's had his struggles as well. So it's probably going to be Brock Purdy, but we'll see how healthy he is and how good he is to go. Uh, but whoever it is, they're going to have fun this season with the weapons that they have at their disposal. You got Debo Samuel, George Kittle, who when healthy, good to go. One of the best tight ends in the league. You got Brandon Ayuk, who had a really good season last year, over a 1,000 yards receiving, and is looking to build upon another that season with another good season in 2023. And then it's a, their first full season with Christian McCaffrey, who, if he can stay healthy, we know what kind of game changer he can be in the passing game and in the running game. And you got Elijah Mitchell backing him up. That's not too bad. Mitchell is pretty solid. It, you know, if he can stay healthy. So whoever it is, whether it's Lance, Darnold, or on likelihood, Purdy, he is going to have a lot of weapons at his disposal. And he's going to have a couple more to add to that receiving room as well. But he's going to be doing a pretty – they're, whoever it is will be doing pretty all right for themselves in that regard because <laughs> whoever it is, whether it's one of those young quarterbacks like Purdy or Lance, usually you don't have talent like that in your, with your weapons as far as those are concerned. And so, you know, pretty good. Uh, offensive line, they do have a little bit of uh, concern here. Uh, you did lose Mike McGlinchey this past offseason. And you're probably going to be replacing him with uh, 2020 fifth-round pick and Colton McKivitz, who has barely played in the NFL. So, essentially, uh, a guy that's pretty green in the league coming in to replace McGlinchey. It does help that you have an all-pro left tackle at Trent Williams. 
Yeah, you know, he's not concerned despite being in his mid-30s. He's still playing at a really high level and uh, don't have any concern there. At center, you got John Feliciano, who can play guard and center, but is probably going to play at center this year. So you have him, and you got a guard duo of Aaron Banks and Spencer Buford, which is just okay. Buford struggled a little little bit as a rookie last year. So the offensive line does have some issues. Um, But uh, if they can uh, be steady and be solid, then – we know what this 49ers offense can do. We saw glimpses of it last year where, when they were all healthy and out there on the field. Just, you know, tremendous offense to watch. On the defensive side of the ball, D'Amico Ryan's left as the D.C. to take over the head job with the Texans. So in comes Steve Wilkes, who's had a lot of experience in the league. And he's got a lot of toys to play with on this defense. You got Nick Bosa, who will – one defensive player of the year last year had eight and a half sacks despite missing two games at one of the edge spots. And you got Eric Armstead who had a little bit of a down year, but is one of the better defensive tackles that I don't think we talk about in the league. They did lose some depth pieces on that line and Samson Ebukum, uh Charles Amenahu, Maurice Hurst, Hassan Ridgeway lost them. So that could be a bit of a factor. So if the guys up front can stay healthy, then maybe the depth pieces won't be tested as much. Uh, as far as other pieces on the defensive line, go second-year guy in Drake Jackson, who they drafted in 2022, can step up and take more of a, a prominent role on this front line. And they signed Javon Hargrave, Hargrave from uh, Philly, who had a career year last year, 11 sacks. So you got a pretty good defensive line. It's just a matter of if they can stay healthy. If they can stay healthy, not only is it one of the best defensive lines in the league, but, I mean, just look at their impact. Look at the, sack, the sacks they logged. I mean, between Hargrave and Bosa this past season, they logged nearly 30 sacks combined. So you hope they can stay healthy. If they can stay healthy, then that could be good news for the 49ers. If not, that might hurt them a little bit. As far as everywhere else on the defense, linebacking room is probably one of the best in the league. you got a really good duo here. Fred Warner is one of the best off-ball linebackers in the entire league. So you know what you're going to get out of him. And Dre Greenlaw has improved a lot since being drafted a few years ago. And – they're both 26, so they're both really young, and they're both playing at pretty high levels. So that linebacking core looks to be good to go for the Niners for years to come. And the secondary. Pass rush will probably need to help out the secondary. A couple pieces like Emmanuel Mosley left in the offseason. Traverius Ford is probably going to be the number one cornerback there. So you hope some guys can step up behind him. The safety room. Looks like it's going to be pretty good. Kalanaga, Afunga, who emerged last year after being a fifth-round rookie in 2021, became an all-pro last year, and you hope that his trajectory stays on that level heading into his third year, and you got Sean Gibson back there. But you could potentially have a third-rounder in Jair Brown. That could replace him. Uh, We'll have to see how quickly he picks up the defense. But it looks like one of the best defenses right now 
in the league. And I think from reports coming from camp is that the defense has really outperformed the offense. I mean, it kind of sets up that way with how camps go early on defense, picks things up pretty quick. But, I mean, they just got a lot of good players on this defense. So, no surprise there. Uh, as far as other pieces, we haven't done this with anybody else, but kicker. Let's talk about this real quick. Because Robbie Gold, who's played there for a long time, kicked for the Niners for a while now, has retired. And so, 49ers with the 99th overall pick drafted Jacob Moody from Michigan. Kicker hasn't been drafted that high since Aguayo a few years ago in the what second round at number 59 or something like that. So he goes in the top 100 picks, and they also traded for Zane Gonzalez. And it's probably going to end up being Moody. Uh, Moody was the Lou Groza Award winner as the nation's best kicker in 2021. And in 2022, he led the FBS with 29 field goals made. So it's probably going to be a rookie kicker for the 49ers. And uh, if you draft a kicker that high, you hope that he's good. And uh, we'll have to see. Maybe it work- this works out better for the Niners than uh, it did for the Buccaneers a few years ago, drafting a kicker this high. So I think other than that, we're not going to talk about the punter for the Niners. Don't worry. So let's talk about Seattle here. And my, oh, my, how much perception can change when within the year because last year when we were talking about the 49ers and I was probably one of them or the Seahawks rather we were probably like this team is not going to be good the roster is not that great they'll probably be playing for a top five getting a top five pick next year and I mean they they, kind of did but it wasn't from who (laughs) they expected to come from uh it came from the Denver Broncos because the Broncos like we talked about last year, absolutely stunk. And Seattle, Denver making the Russell Wilson trade. Seattle got Denver's first-round pick, and lo and behold, comes the number five overall pick. So, was kind of right in a sense about the Seahawks getting a top-five pick, but it wasn't (laughs) their pick at number five. So, crazy how much has changed within a year. And talking about them now, we're talking about them as potentially being a, a playoff team again this year after making the playoffs last year in 2022. And a lot of that was due to Geno Smith, who came out of nowhere. Um, I don't know where I thought Geno Smith was a year ago. I think I probably thought he was out the league at a, at that point. Didn't know where he was. But he proved a lot of people wrong. Had an awesome year last year. Won NFL Comeback Player of the Year. With sixteen, uh, with a sixty-nine point eight completion percentage, nearly seventy percent, and a thirty to eleven touchdown interception ratio, really freaking good. But in twenty twenty-three, how will he adjust this year with a little bit more expectations on his plate? He signed a three-year deal, but due to the structure of that deal, Seattle can get out from that deal. And if that's the case, Gino might need another good season to make sure that doesn't happen. But he's got some talent up front and in the receiving room to make sure that he has another good year. Looking at this receiving room, you got TK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, who last year as a duo had 80-plus receptions 
1,000 yard plus receiving yards in 2022. They were really awesome last year. And not only that, they added the top receiver in this year's draft, Jackson Smith and Jigba, at 20 overall, uh, using their second first round pick on it and bolstered the passing attack. And how quickly will he pick up this offense? That's going to be the thing to watch. And if he can pick it up, the Seahawks have the potential to have one of the best receiving trios in the league with those three. Uh, Smith and Jingma can play pretty much inside and outside, so they got a good piece right there that's really versatile, and if he needs to go outside or inside, he can do it. But that's a really good trio right there of receivers they have. Of course, you got Noah Fant coming back at tight end as well, so there's another option uh, as well for Geno. The running back room is going to be a compelling watch uh, for, I think, a lot of us, particularly uh, fantasy-wise. Uh, of course, no Rashad Penny anymore. He's now gone to Philly. You have Kenneth Walker, who in his rookie season had over 1,000 yards, nine touchdowns, caught 27 passes as a rookie, missed a little bit of time as well, but had a really good rookie season. They drafted Zach Charbonnet in the second round. Charbonnet was the FBS leader in all-purpose yards per game last year with 168. So he's a little bit more versatile. You might see him catching passes more out of the backfield than Walker did as a rookie. And he really could compete for playing time besides Walker and could see them have a split backfield. So you see why I mentioned fantasy purposes because that could be the reason why it's so compelling because uh, I'm assuming – you you all are probably fantasy players as well, and it's probably keen on like what's going on with fantasy. So this might be something to watch with these two. Uh, but Charbonnet, really good at UCLA, uh, and we'll probably split times with Walker, even though Walker had a good rookie season. And then on the offensive line, they trusted a couple rookie tackles in Charles Cross at left tackle and Abraham Lucas at right tackle. And they played reasonably well for rookies. They thrown into the fire. Guys expected the start. They did pretty well as rookies last year. And you think there's good reason for them to to think that they'll make jumps this upcoming season and be really good booking tackles for Geno. Because you know, talking about the 49ers, they they had an awesome defensive line. You're going to have to block Nick Bosa two times a year and make sure he doesn't do anything. So uh, we'll see how the young tackles work out. As far as other pieces on the offensive line, they brought in Evan Brown from the Lions to play center. He can play guard some, but will probably play center. Really solid player there. Damian Lewis is a quality guard as well, so he'll probably slide in at one of the guard spots along with Bill Haynes, who's the other guard. So a lot for Geno is going to depend on can the offensive line and wide receiver room with as much talent that's been added over the last several seasons. Can they both help him out and make sure that he doesn't have a fall off this year? On the defensive side of the ball was probably the team's reason for their downfall last year. Couldn't get after the quarterback or stop the front at all. 
So naturally you think, okay, let's go out and address the defensive line. And they kind of did that. They added Draymond Jones at defensive tackle to pair him with Jerron Reed up front. But other than that, they didn't add anything to their pass rush, in which they probably needed to. Uh, Uchenna Nwosu, who had nine and a half sacks last year and generated the most pressure, is back. Daryl Taylor uh, was not that great for him last year. And you have Boye Mafe from Michigan, from Minnesota, rather, who was a 2022 second rounder that you hope can take a step up in a sophomore campaign. But they just didn't add much. You have to wonder if adding somebody like Jalen Carter would have helped at uh, at number five. And I kind of get why you had the issues with him, and you were concerned about that. And adding to, that to the locker room, I get that, but it could have really helped up front. Um, so yeah, they bring bring in Draymond Jones to pair with Jaron Reed for the to help out with the run defense because that again that was not great. They bring back Bobby Wagner, uh, to add to that linebacking room and trying to help out with the run defense there, along with signing Devin Bush. Uh, Jordan Brooks has not cut it as a former first round pick so far, so this is going to test him as well. You have to wonder if Bobby's back being back. Uh, if he's glad being back in uh, Seattle and uh, working with this defense that's got some young pieces to work with. And then the secondary, it's probably the strength of this team. They use their top pick to add Devon Witherspoon from Illinois, who's the top corner in the draft. You have to wonder why, because, you know, they had one of the better young corners last year in Tariq Woolen, who, as a fifth rounder, last year, made the Pro Bowl and led the league with eight picks. Like, why do you need to add another corner? Well, now if Witherspoon hits as well, you got two guys that cover up both sides of the field. So that can be really good for Seattle in the future. I mean, we go back to Seattle and how good they were with the Legion of Boom and having a good secondary back then. Seems like they're they might try to replicate that a little bit. As far as the safeties in the room, you hope that Jamal Adams can get back early from his injury and get back to playing here early in 2023. But if not, it is probably going to be Quandre Diggs, who's a really good safety. And then you got Julian Love as well to help them form a solid safety duo on the back end. And I think other than that, that's all I have for Seattle. But yeah, a lot of it just depends for Seattle on can Gino continue what he did last year and do it this year with a little bit higher expectations uh, on his plate this year. If he can, that's good news. If not, then maybe that does leave the door open a little bit for the Rams if they can get their issues worked out. Um, So, everybody, I think that is everything I have for the NFC West. And, uh, yeah, I think Seattle, San Francisco, they are probably the top – they are the top two teams in – this division for sure Arizona don't expect too much for them the Rams again I don't expect too much for them but you know we'll have to see how it goes uh and how McVay it's the same coached up but uh, I think Seattle and San Francisco they're the two top teams in this division with San Francisco being the favorite and being one of the favorites to come out of this conference so uh that's the NFC 
West. And I believe next week on the schedule, we will talk about the AFC East. We are wrapping up here with our last two divisions here as we head to the AFC East and the NFC East before we make our final predictions and lock them in for the 23 season. So we are coming up on wrapping these previews up on both NFL and college. So again, won't be long before both seasons get started and kick off. And I'm really excited to get some football back, but that will do it for us on this edition of the show. Everybody later on this week, we will tackle the pac 12 and uh, talk about them and talk about USC, Oregon, Washington, all those things that are ranked in the top 25 from earlier. Talk about them and it's probably going to be the final year of the Pac-12, if we're, if we're being honest. So uh, it'll, it'll be a fun occasion for, I believe, if I have the numbers right, the 300th episode. So we're sending out the Pac-12 with the bang on the 300th episode. How fitting. Uh, but uh, that'll be later on this week, everybody. And uh, next week, we'll talk about the AFC East and talk about the group of five. So that'll do it for us this week, everybody. Thank you all so much for tuning in again. If you haven't yet, check out the pod where you guys get your podcast. Check out the entertainment channel where you guys get your pods. Be sure to go subscribe. Give us a rating, review, turn on notifications. Same thing with the YouTube channel. Find us at 573 Podcast. You can find clips from previous shows on there. Be sure to go like share with your friends subscribe leave a comment all that good stuff turn on notifications for that as well but that'll put a bow on this week on this edition of the show everybody thank you all so much for tuning in and we'll talk to you all next time